0: After all, there is plenty of room at the bottom.
1: Hello and welcome to the Materialism Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Sparks, here at the University of Utah, and I'm joined, as always, by not Andrew Falkowski this time. He's off away, but we do have Jared Duffy in the studio with us. Jared, how are you doing? Good. Good. You didn't, even, you didn't even give
2: me my title. I'm the uh, resident audio guru. <laughs>
1: Jared is our audio uh, espectacular, and he's going to do amazing things to make sure that we sound wonderful. And today we have a wonderful guest. It's my old friend, Kara, who I've known for like 10 years now, which is amazing. Um, Kara Krebs is the, uh, let's see, she is the, uh, an adjunct professor uh, of visual art and design at Weber State University. She is the art, she was the artist in residence at UMOKA and is currently the exhibition director at the Bountiful Art Center. Kara, tell us about yourself.
0: Hi. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm an artist, and I use experimental materials. And like you said, I, I do a little curating, and um, I teach art at Weber State.
1: Awesome. So there's a reason that we brought Kara on today's episode. Kara is one of the most experimental, interesting artists I've ever seen. Kara, at some point, we need to have you plug where people can go to see your work, because... I definitely think the audience is going to see it because it's amazing. Just to put it in a frame of reference, the first time I saw Kira's art, I think the one that I first saw anyways, was an underwater. It's like I was underwater in a cave, but it was no regular cave. It was like the stalactites were made out of like nacho cheese, and it was huge. This was like a big installation, Mm -hmm. and it was like gummy and jelly. I think it was like food was a lot of the components. It's been 10 years, so I'm not remembering, but I remember thinking right away like, holy smokes, first off, this is amazing. It's crazy looking, but like how would you even make this? Because it looked like smooth, like textures like it was amazing and I immediately was thinking what sort of materials were involved in it and that's what we've got on today's episode because she is a master of trying out lots of different materials to get that perfect aesthetic that you're looking for so today's episode is on so earlier this month we did an episode on the science of art and immediately all the people started saying yeah 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 but what about sculpture and what about all these other things like what about and so we're like fine all right let's do one where we talk about the other components of art And since it's Halloween, let's do an episode on the science and the materials of cosplay, right? So that's what we're talking about today. Uh, Kara, I know for sure, has made some amazing cosplay, at least one or two, because I saw one where she was a Demogorgon (laughs) from Stranger Things, and it was the giant, like, open flower around her head. It was unreal, like, absolutely amazing. We're going to find some pictures and post them. Um, And I am not good at cosplay, but I really like it, and so I've dabbled a bit in it. And so we're going to talk about what are the materials that make cosplay possible? Because if you talk to people, they'll all of a sudden say, like, oh, are you working with this, or have you used this? And there's this like list of materials that people use. So we're just going to dive right in. And I think that the one that you'll probably hear right off the bat when you talk to any cosplay person is EVA foam, right? EVA foam is this magic material that gets used for lots and lots of stuff. What exactly is it and why is it so great for cosplay? So EVA is ethylene vinyl acetate. For those material science nerds out there, you'll if you looked at the structure, you'll recognize it because it's made up, it's a copolymer. So it's two different polymers that are put together. The first one's polyethylene. That's the first polymer that any material scientist learns about. That's just two carbons bonded to each other with hydrogens coming off above and below. So C2H4. But it's a copolymer and it's got another monomer and that is polyvinyl acetate, which is pretty interesting. It looks just like ethylene, but one of the carbons, instead of being bonded to hydrogen, has an acetate molecule on it. And what is that? That's acetic acid. Um, it's vinegar. And that's why, actually, EVA foam, when you open up a new package of it, it smells like vinegar. You've got mm. the monomer that is acetic acid vinegar in it a little bit. Anyways, uh, when they make this, it's not like a 50-50 mixture. They actually have something between 5 and 40% of this vinyl acetate groups mixed in. And you can change the amount of it, uh, and you'll tailor your properties. For example, if you add more and more of these acetate groups, which have the big side group off the side of the molecule, then you lower the melting point. Which makes sense, because we know that polymers, the closer you can stack them together, the more crystalline and the stronger the bonds between them. So if you're adding big, chunky side groups off the side, then you're preventing them from bonding, and so they, they don't melt, and so you can lower the temperature. Um, anyways, that's EVA. Now, when they make EVA foam, if you've ever dug into that foam, hopefully the first thing you notice is that it's got tiny little pores in it. Uh, Carrie, do you ever work with EVA foam?
0: A little bit. I was trying to think if that was part of... I know I've made costumes from it, but yeah, like it's you can... S- Sculpt it with heat and yeah. th- that's so helpful, like just using gym mats. <laughs> like when I was just
1: beginning me. in this and I was not good at all, I watched a video and they were making like a gauntlet and it was so cool to just wrap it around your arm and like duct tape it. So you got like roughly the shape of your arm and then just like hair blow dry it and it keeps that shape. Um, what's really great about this, is it's pretty easy to work with. It's durable, it's tough. Like you can cut it with just a razor. I use a little exacto knife and you can cut right through it. And that's largely because of the, f- the pores that are in it. If this was a dense polymer, that would be really hard to cut through. But the pores in it, uh, in addition to making it comfortable and it kind of gives it like a rubber like feel, um, makes it. <laughs> Quick caveat we are recording outside today because we don't want to get the COVID. So if you hear dogs barking in the background, just bear with us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what's called a closed cell foam. And it's pretty cool how they make this. When they make. So this is a closed cell foam. If you've ever looked at like a dish rag, that's an open cell foam, right? The, the pores interconnect all the way through in your dish rag. Um, sponge but this is closed cell each individual little capsule is closed off from the other ones and how on earth they make that I didn't know ahead of time actually I had to look it up for this episode it's pretty rad they melt this stuff so it's in the liquid state and then they pressurize it with a gas something like nitrogen and so as soon as like they they squeeze that gas they dissolve the gas into the material but when they release the pressure that gas now is stuck in the material but it wants to turn back into the gaseous state so, it just does, and it starts swelling the stuff around it, right? Which is pretty rad. So, then you end up with these closed cell porosity, which makes it obviously comfortable, low thermal conductivity, easy to cut, and lots of other things. Why do we use it for making costumes? Um, it's tough, it's lightweight, um, it's durable, it's really easy to work with. Um, we've already talked about being able to be thermoformed, um, and it feels kind of like a rubber, but it's not actually cross linked like a rubber. Okay? Now, what happens if you get rid of all the pores that are inside of it? you actually get hot glue, which I didn't know that. Um, Hot glue is mostly EVA, although they do add a little bit of resin and wax to change the temperature to be exactly where they want it to be. But most of these uh, hot glue and any other hot melt adhesive is the same EVA, so ethylene vinyl acetate, okay? Uh, So Kara, let me ask you this. You said you've worked with like gym mats before. Gym mats are probably uh, EVA foam. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had to stick them together? And what success have you had in bonding these things together or sticking them to something Mm -hmm.
0: else? Usually with something like that, I would try to attach it mechanically because I don't have a lot of luck with things that flex being able to stick to each other. At least not for a costume for sure because you're moving so much.
1: So mechanically, would you actually like drop a bolt through it, or would you like run hangers through it and hook those around something, or what do yeah, you? Yeah, like
0: punch a hole in it, have something that'll block it so it doesn't pull through, like a washer. Like
2: what's your preferred way of doing that? Washer and bolt,
1: or
0: whatever's in the studio <laughs> i have so much random stuff
1: <laughs> um i was thrilled the uh, uh, sometime last year i discovered this youtube video talking about how to bond this stuff together and there's something called barge contact cement which is magical it is so amazing if you've worked with uh, rubber cement before where like you like pull a old paintbrush out of the can you paint on stuff it's basically like that like it smells kind of like that All of it's elementary a lot stronger school. yeah right But it is crazy, crazy strong. You paint a little bit on, you wait five minutes to four hours, it says. And now it's a dry surface on the two things you want to put together. You touch them together and instantly, I get why they call it contact cement. Like as soon as you make contact, that is like an extremely strong bond. And I looked into this. The chemical compound of this is toluene and heptane. So those are your solvents. And then it's ethyl acetate. So no surprise that it works so great with EVA. It is EVA. It's just dissolved EVA. And the second that you let this dry and they touch, um, it makes a really good... Uh, compa- uh, really good bond. I think largely because you've had a chance to dissolve away some of your EVA and you get a great compound. So, if hot
2: glue and uh, contact cement are both made out of EVA, what makes contact cement better to use than the hot glue when you're yeah.
1: bonding them? So, you can use EV, uh, hot glue right, to bond mm-hmm. EVA, but it doesn't work as well. And I think the real difference, and I'm no expert, but I think it's because the contact cement has solvent in it, this toluene and heptane. So, as you paint that onto your EVA, it's sort of dissolving into and making a real intimate bond there. Whereas hot glue, You're just hoping that the heat of it causes it to be tacky and sticky to the two sides, but you don't get that really good bond. So another thing that I know that you've worked with, Kara, and so I'd love to hear your opinion on, is ballistic gel. Tell me about some of the (laughs) the ballistic gels you've worked with and why is that such a great material for the art that you do?
0: So um, a lot of my art is supposed to make somebody want to touch it, and it also needs to be crystal clear, And I've been searching for years to find like a good material that I can use in my art that has those properties. And eventually I found ballistic gel, which is supposed to be the texture of human flesh because they use it to test weapons. And um, you can make it out of gelatin, like melted down cows, but it's kind of cloudy. So I found a website that they were they have a i think it's a petroleum based gel and it's just like water
1: completely clear it's
0: perfectly clear and you just melt it in the oven at a low temperature and it'll take the shape of however it cools but it's also just jiggly
1: so when it's molten state, will it flow really easily? Or does it like a really viscous thing like cold honey or something? Does
0: um, it- it's more runny than honey, and it cools really quickly, but you can pour it. So it's like, it's pretty viscous, but um, maybe a little bit less so than honey.
1: Okay. So I got to imagine if this is made to, and it is, it's supposed to match the density of like flesh, right? It's got to be heavy. If you make yeah. big components with this, <laughs> that's got to be heavy.
0: And that's uh, that's been a problem (laughs) with some of the art. So I've I've made uh, pieces that were seven feet by five feet, and um, had to make them hollow because I realized if I had enough of this gel, not only would it cost an insane amount of money to make, move that it's like putting a human on the wall. Like it's (laughs) really as heavy as. If Lush. you've ever
2: also wondered what this looks like while we're talking, if you've seen any of the Mythbusters shows, yeah. anytime they yeah. shoot those dummies, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. The
1: uh, the Forged in Fire show. I think that they also when they chop yeah. through things, they usually have ballistic gel. Um and I foolishly thought that ballistic gel was just sort of ballistic gel, but apparently like in the gel world, you can tailor this so much because you can add more or less gel, right? And so it changes the the texture and the tacticity, right?
0: Yeah, and um you can buy it in different um I, th- I don't know if they call it shore hardnesses, but like different squishiness uh-huh. um, amounts. And they, they tell you what's kind of the standard, and then you can get it softer or harder. And I experimented with it and learned that I could mix mineral oil into it to soften it, which I needed. Oh, nice. um, like, I, I made a show, I had an exhibition where I made artificial jellos so they didn't end up melting in the middle of the exhibition. And I needed them to jiggle like real jello, but the standard ballistic gel is too firm. But the mineral oil sort of softened it up. Yeah, so if I mixed enough mineral oil, it would be just like regular jello. You couldn't tell the difference. That was Except a sweet it would show, taste very different.
1: <laughs> um, she mentioned uh, shore hardness. For material scientists, you probably learned about rockwell hardness or vickers hardness. So shore hardness is just the same thing. It, they all are the same approach where you take something and you press it into your material. And if you know the load that you're pressing on your material with, you'd basically measure how deep it goes in. The difference here is that it's a, it's a larger rod, basically, that's being pressed into it. Mm. But it's the same concept. Um, the next thing I thought we ought to cover, if we're talking about cosplay, it's got to be the materials that we make masks out of, right? So we've got uh, this big debate right now, right? There's silicone versus latex masks, right? And, the, so, and even those, there's lots of different subtypes of silicone and latex. But from the basics, what is latex? Um, So latex is a natural rubber. We talked about it on our previous episode. Go back and listen to the one on uh, vulcanization of rubber, but uh, it's polyisoprene, right? So this looks a lot like our old friend polyethylene or kind of looks like polypropylene where it's got a bunch of CH2 units, right? In the backbone. But what's interesting about polyisoprene is that it has every four bonds is a double bond. And normally we think of uh, polymers as not having double bonds along the backbone. We usually break those during the polymerization process. But this one, you don't break them all, and the fact that they're present means that then you can cook it with sulfur, that's vulcanization, that sulfur will attack those double bonds and allow it to hook to another chain. So instead of having a bunch of individual spaghetti strands, it's like you drizzled you know, superglue across your spaghetti strands, and all of a sudden, they're connected together at a few spots. That's vulcanization, and that gives you latex rubber, natural rubber. Silicone, on the other hand, is a totally different animal. Right, silicone—the backbone doesn't have carbon in it like most polymers. It's not like a carbon bonded to a carbon with side groups off the side. This one is an alternating bond between silicon and oxygen. It's the name of silicone, right? So silicon, oxygen, silicon, oxygen, and coming off the side are methyl groups, CH3 groups on the silicon. And oxygen doesn't have any other bonds, right? Because it only makes two bonds. Um, so that is silicone elastomer. You'll also hear people, at least in the science f- science field, call it PDMS. And I—I <laughs> was actually looking this episode up. And I learned that that was the same thing. I thought these were totally two different things. I was like, oh, polydimethylsiloxane is silicone. So if you've heard people talk about PDMS, very, very common material in the lab, that's just silicone rubber. Mm. Um, Okay, when you're going to make a mask out of these or a cosplay or something or an art or whatever, out of latex, <laughs> an art. An art. <laughs> make a singular art. Um, uh, so what are the pros and cons of these? First off, have you used either or both of these? Yeah. Uh,
0: um, I've used both of them and I... Don't use as much latex anymore because of problems with it. That's, I use a lot of sil- I, I use a lot of silicone. So what um, sort of problems do you run into? So the latex degrades really quickly, especially if light hits it. Yep. I had I had one show where I made a a giant fake uh balloon and I, was I it came inf- back was at it inflated? the end. No, um there were inflated balloons that were part of the exhibition but but this piece was it was part of a kind of a 3D painting and I um it was at a gallery that was a few hours away so I came back at the end of the exhibition and the latex was just in ribbons because there had been enough light on it throughout the exhibition so yeah and also it it smells bad. Um, I don't know. Is it ammonia? You would know the science better than I do. I, but I don't.
1: I mean, I'm looking at the formula, and I'm seeing CH3 groups, and uh, I don't mm. see any nitrogen. It, it is sul- it is vulcanized. So there's some uh-huh. sulfur there. Whatever it is, it has its smell to it for sure.
0: Yeah, and I know, like, the latex you can use on your skin doesn't have the irritating um whatever chemical in it that you would get in like the cheap mold making latex uh-huh. and i thought it was ammonia but maybe it's something maybe it's uh, it may well be i don't know but um so it, it's not i've i don't like using that indoors and um it's also kind of a nasty cloudy color that you can't do quite oh, yeah. as much it's kind with. of
1: a yellow in the at least in the p- picture yeah, that I, was looking at it with. I was surprised to find that like sweat will even ruin it so if you're making mm-hmm. like a mask out of it it's just not ideal it is a lot cheaper than silicone mm-hmm. um but heat you can if you get these things too hot it removes the water and then it becomes kind of brittle um so it's not great a lot of paints and stuff will actually dissolve it which they act as a solvent for it it's not gonna be ideal so in many cases silicone is a far superior material if you're looking at the sort of elastomer right Um, it's super durable, it's tough. Mm -hmm. You can actually make silicone two different ways, right? You can either do addition cured or condensation cured. They'll oftentimes call these platinum cured or tin cured, and they're different polymerization uh, approaches. So in one case, the platinum basically has the side groups coming off just on the sides, but in tin cured, you get a more three-dimensional structure. Um, Platinum is a whole lot more expensive. It doesn't shrink during the curing process, which maybe matters if you're trying to make something Mm -hmm. with tight tolerances. Um, Platinum cured is going to be what you want. Um, Tin cured will be cheaper, but it will shrink a little bit during the molding. Um, A lot of benefits chemically about this great moisture resistance. It's very chemically inert. It doesn't really get attacked by a lot of different things. Um, And if you're making a mask out of it, you can see, I I saw side by side and the one with the silicone mask, you can see like little micro features as they're raising their eyebrows and stuff and moving their mouth. It matches it like scary. Perfect. Um, And you just don't get that with the latex. Um, Anything else you want to say about these two materials or what's been your experience with silicone care?
0: Yeah, it's just a great texture. <laughs> yeah. And and you can get, like you said, it's really durable silicone. They make a kind called dragon skin that will just stretch forever and jump right back to the shape it was before. So rad. I make giant cheese um, sculptures and paintings. It looks just like Velveeta. It's perfect. Again, we um, have to put a link. You,
1: you, <laughs> ha- like, you owe it to yourself to look at Kara's art because you'll not be disappointed. It's pretty <laughs> rad. You'll probably see some of it on the Instagram coming up so soon. Check the show notes and on the Instagram for sure, we'll post some of that.
0: But yeah, one one other thing about the different silicones is the safety of it, like skin safe or food safe. The platinum is the best. Um, I don't know if it's actually unsafe to have some of the um, types that are cured by, I think there's even like a Nickel or something like that? Probably. I I
1: did just a cursory review, but Uh there's different catalysts that will catalyze the the vulcanization, Yeah, the the, the cross-linking.
0: And they say don't use those if it's going to go on your skin or be used in anything that you'll have food touching. Well, it's a condensation
1: reaction. You can actually look at it. It gives off water. Um, And so Mm -hmm. it does have different texture because it's now a a composite, right? It has that water left over in it, whereas the other one is still just the silicone as before. It's just been cross-linked.
2: Yeah, in the... uh, show notes we will leave something with a little faq just talking about how they kind of work and i can also post on the instagram so you can see the different ways that the catalysts combine
1: to form the molecules cool all right our next material you can't talk about halloween and costumes without plaster of paris who hasn't (laughs) made like a mold of their face or their hand or something right jared even you why paris so (laughs) (laughs) the name i don't i looked this up and i've forgotten it already um well i'll find out don't worry about it um So what is plaster of Paris? Plaster of Paris is gypsum. What is gypsum? That's just calcium sulfate. Uh, It's not just calcium sulfate though. It's usually hydrated, right? So it's CaSO4 with two water molecules with it. And what's interesting is that you can bake off some of that water. If you heat it above about 200 Celsius or so, then you'll remove some of the water. And then if you add that water back, it's anxious to incorporate it back in its structure. And it does so uh, automatically. So that is the whole process of plaster. You buy it as a powder. It has water in that powder, even though it doesn't look wet. It has the water molecules in it. But if you add that extra water, that's just what it was looking for to become a, a hard ceramic at that point. So this is a ceramic material that forms it. It It's a hydration reaction, and uh, it's really awesome because it happens fast, it's cheap. In about 10 minutes after mixing, it's complete about 45 minutes after, so you can make really cool cast out of this really low-cost material, calcium sulfate. Kara, do you work with this at
0: all? Yeah, it's it's really handy. Like you said, it's inexpensive and you can you can cast anything you want, make a mold and then um have a replica of something in just a few minutes. Uh I used <laughs> I've used it in maybe the wrong way in the past. Uh-huh. Tell um, us about it. Like that piece you mentioned at the beginning that was like a cave and cheese yeah, and yeah. all sorts of different materials. Uh, so it was it was kind of like a portal inside a massive grilled cheese sandwich. And um, for the base cheese on the bottom half of the bread, I mixed plaster with acrylic paint and latex paint to see if... I had no idea if it would work. Did it work? It did. Um, so I wanted it to be a little... I needed just a ton of bulk. I needed a lot of stuff, but if that was made out of silicone that would be oh, a ton you'd, of money. You
1: pay so much for that.
0: Um so I just needed it it to kinda have that sheen a little bit like the paint would, but you
1: didn't paint it afterwards, you as it was, you used it?
0: Um I did both. So I mixed the paint into the the plaster and it was kind of like a matte pale um that yeah, makes sense orange <laughs> and then i painted over the top of it and it that's made it so a little cool. bit more flexible than that really brittle plaster and it worked for the cheese so very cool that's yeah that's what i end up doing is just like what can this material do that it's not allowed to do because i need it to do something else so
1: jared why on earth do they call it plaster of paris
2: anyways the answer is is underneath paris there's subterranean mines that have since been abandoned these are the catacombs no these are mines these aren't catacombs oh. these are separate these are actual mines, and this is where they mined gypsum under oh, okay. huh. Mont, Montmartre. I don't know. I don't speak French. But because that's where most of it was mined, it became Plaster of
1: Paris. Is it Montmartre? I don't know how you say it. Mont- sure. Mont- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, okay. Our next material I want to talk about our old friend surely we've all tried this paper mache right <laughs> who hasn't made a paper mache mask or pinata or something before or even is it mache or is it mache i don't know <laughs> in fact the spelling on the wikipedia gave me anxiety because <laughs> it had vowels where i didn't expect them to be and little hats on some of the vowels so i don't know but paper mache is an amazing material for Halloween. Uh, I would wager it, it's certainly one of the oldest. I was looking briefly at the history, and at least back to 200 AD, when the Chinese discovered paper, they right away started using it with papier-mâché. Basically, what is papier-mâché? It's paper mixed with glue. It, it, it's at its heart is really what it is. So it's a composite material. It's not just a polymer like silicone, where it's one type of material. It's now a composite. Where we've got two different classes. But there's lots of different varieties of papier-mâché. I thought it was all the same. I thought you always just started ripping newspapers, making strips, painting it with some sort of glue. I think we used flower water, but you can also use Elmer's glue and stuff. Um, but there's other ways to do it. You can actually grind the paper into like a pulp, right? Make sawdust essentially. Mix glue with that and then use it like a clay. But when it sets up, that's paper mache too, which I didn't realize that. So I'm curious, have you used paper mache in any of your art or what's your take on it?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I've mostly used it. So I have a October birthday and... Always had a piñata that was like a spooky paper mache Would you um, make them yourself? Yeah, every year. Um, but it's great for art because it's so cheap and accessible.
1: Paper. paper and glue, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And you can and you can coat it with things that make it permanent. So it's just it's like a papery object that will dissolve in water until then. But you could coat it with materials and have suddenly have like a durable firm object that will last so it's really great for getting like a structure
1: so i learned that at the turn of the 20th century it was very popular and in fashion to make boats out of paper mache like (laughs) canoes wow so apparently like the the paper back then was a little more elastic than the paper we have today which is great because they could wrap it around a hole they would you know paper mache it and then they would waterproof it with something and there's actually this story this guy who went all the way from new york to florida And then back up from New York up to from Florida back up to New York in this paper mache boat, which is just bonkers to me that you could actually do that. That's like all
2: of the uh, students in physics who had to make boats out of cardboard. Do they do that? Uh, Well, California almost every single. I know Colorado School of Mines
1: does this every year, and it's pretty rad. They run it down the river. Yeah, we
2: did it in our pool because every like all the (laughs) California schools have pools, and so we would make boats, and you had to do the math so that. The volume was 10% exactly of what the buoyancy needed to be. And then everyone cheated, and I didn't cheat. And so my boat sank very sadly. (laughs) Everyone else's is massive and okay.
1: Um, And they've been using uh, paper mache for a long time. Like, I I read that in in art, they would make frames for art pieces. And it was expensive to make it out of plaster or wood. So they would actually make paper mache and then they'd gild it. So you'd never Mm. guess. Looking at this art, this beautiful gilded frame is actually paper mache I thought that was pretty wild. Wow. Um, okay, our next material is, again, polystyrene, styrofoam. We've all worked with styrofoam, I'm guessing, at some point. What's so great about styrofoam? What's hard about it? So first off, if we look at its structure, it looks a lot like polyethylene, our old friend polyethylene. It's got a carbon backbone with hydrogens off the side. But one of the hydrogen, they pulled off and they put a benzene ring on the side. That's styrofoam. So it's got a big clunky side group. Otherwise, it looks like polyethylene, sort of. Um, now, those, the, sto- the styrofoam is not regular polystyrene, Styrofoam is just like our old friend before, the um, EVA foam. They, friends with a lot of people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they uh, they pressurize it with gas, and then they remove it from its high pressure, and that gas wants to expand, and that makes the closed cell porosity. So if you've ever like, torn apart something made out of styrofoam, you probably notice it has like, those little chunks, right? That Those are the closed cell uh, bits of porosity that, that have formed within it. Um, what's so great about it, it's crazy lightweight, is really one of the major things. It's 95 to 98% air. There's very little plastic, actually, there. It's mostly air. Um, but it has a lot of problems. I used it for, I'm going to show you a piece here. So if you're watching the video, take a look at this.
2: Well, styrofoam isn't biodegradable, which I know people always talk about when you've got a I any mean, like takeout stuff and people throw them in the recycling bin. You can't do that. doesn't work like that. <laughs> Nothing you can do with styrofoam, right?
1: Yeah, it is not biodegradable, which is a problem. They've actually, I keep on hearing articles where they're like, oh, we found a way to biodegrade it. It's this certain type of bug can eat it. But it's not like industrially biodegradable. You can't get rid of like the huge amounts can that we're you, generating. Can you
2: recycle it in any way? Like melt it back down? or?
1: Uh, no, because you to do that, you uh, it would require pyrolysis to break up the bonds. And mm-hmm. that doesn't happen until 430 degrees Celsius. I oh, actually wow. looked that up. And mm-hmm. so it's not economically feasible. Technically, we can do it. It's not mm-hmm. economically feasible. So if you're watching the video, you can see this totally awesome Guardian <laughs> from Breath of the Wild. My kid is the biggest fan on the planet. And so this is styrofoam. Made this one out of styrofoam. Almost all the pieces here are styrofoam. You've got uh, this crest piece, this main one. Again, you can buy these things for so cheap. Styrofoam is really, because it's lightweight, it's not, there, you are not using a lot of material, which makes it cheap. On this one, I did add another. Um, it's got PMMA, <laughs> polymethyl methacrylate, which you probably have heard called acrylic glass instead. So these glowing parts are actually acrylic glass, but most of this... Is styrofoam, and what's great about it is I started out with this great big two-inch, you know, plate or whatever, and to cut it, I did the hot wire method where you can just take a little heated wire, passing electricity through it, and you can just cut this thing. And I need to—I since later learned that you can sand this, which I didn't on this one.
0: Your kids are so lucky.
2: You gotta—you <laughs> have to avoid uh, styrofoam and gasoline together too.
0: Yeah.
1: So because. Right. Think about it. It's side group is that big benzene ring. So gasoline has a lot of those things in it. It's soluble, right? It's it, like it'll dissolve it. That's how you create. Uh, napalm, right?
2: Yeah. Not, no one do this. But that is how you make napalm. Oh. Well, homemade napalm. Fight Club will say orange juice concentrate. They're lying to you. People
1: are totally going to do it. I, I I take no responsibility yeah, for I, the, I, I the homemade napalm it. that you make. <laughs> um, So anyways, that's styrofoam. Do you work with styrofoam, Kara? What have you learned about it?
0: Styrofoam not so much because of those little balls that, that yeah, pop so off, so it's I not actually, smooth.
1: When I was cutting that, I noticed that those would chunk out. But what was crazy is I noticed that if I sanded it, it is possible to sand it so those don't pull out. I was mm. totally surprised that you can actually That's machine ask, it to yeah. some degree. Yeah, huh. because I cut it with the hot wire method. And it was rough. And then I just tried, like, out of, like, I wonder what would happen. And you can actually sand it pretty how, nicely. So how did,
2: did you build yourself, like, a hot wire device? Or did you go and buy one? I did.
1: So we will put <laughs> that. We've got some picture of that. We'll post it on the Instagram. It's pretty That's rad. That's Probably scary to work with. <laughs> it was terrifying at first. <laughs> and the batteries were burning my hand every time. Now we no longer use batteries. We've got a power supply. Um, so the next picture I want to talk about is foam clay. When you see people doing cosplay things, they'll often, like, make the armor or whatever it is But then there's, like, these intricate little details, and they'll just, like, be, like, just as if it was, like, actual, like, clay, the mineral clay that you have to bake, but it's polymer clay. Have you ever worked with this stuff, uh, Kara,
0: at all? No. It's something that people have said I'd love, but I haven't done much with it.
1: Uh, I haven't either. It's apparently, it's PVC-based, right? So it's the same stuff that you make your sprinkler pipes out of, but they add a... Crap ton of plasticizer to it so that it's much more pliable. Um, so it's a PVC resin with lots of plasticizer that typically, once it uh, evaporates, now you end up with a relatively hard material. Um, I don't know how they get the foam in it. I assume that it also has some gas dissolved into it, and so it sort of gets that.
2: So, how do they go about
1: curing it? Is it just like normal clay with heat, or is there something more to it? So, foam clay is a material that is thixotropic. What does that mean? It means that when there's a force applied to it, it will flow like a viscous liquid. But when you take that force away, it sets up like a solid. So it's the opposite of cornstarch. If you've ever played with that, cornstarch and water or seen that on Mythbusters where basically while you're loading it, it sets up, it locks up, right? This is the opposite of that. This flows under load, but as soon as you're done, when you quit molding it, it sets up, which is what you want, right? If you're going to mold something and want it to stay put.
2: It's also similar to how MR fluid works, but MR fluid works because you bring the magnet to it, and that causes it to harden.
1: Oh, okay. I've, I have seen those. Yeah. Um, let's see what do I want to say about foam latex. Um, so a variation on this, instead of PVC, you can also do foam latex. Um, if you've seen, and it is that time of year, the Nightmare Before Christmas or Coraline, these characters are made mostly out of foam latex. But it's the same idea. You're basically adding a... Uh, an additive to make a foam out of your material. Um, you have it partially cured um, and you end up with a gelling agent that allows it to be a little bit flowable, um, a bit like a rubber, but it's still lots of air inside of it. So it's a foam. Okay. This brings us to expanded polyurethane foam. Kara, I know that you work with this stuff. Tell us about <laughs> it.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, it's nice. <laughs> so I've used it in uh, like a two part system where you can, you can actually make giant flows of it and it, you mix it and it expands. They have different um, amounts it expand, that it like will expand. it instantly?
1: Like the ones I've seen have been like, they Pretty spray it into quickly. your attic and it like really quickly, it expands, what does it say here? Like 30 to 60 times it's liquid yeah, volume, it can expand.
0: You can get different amounts of expansion. Um, and so I've worked with some that expands a lot because I was trying to make, I make a lot of things that look like cheese. I was trying to make a giant <laughs> cheese barnacle thing. You're a cheese artist. Uh yeah. <laughs> and um it's pretty quick. Like once you put those two parts together, it just poofs and so um, is that hard
1: to work with because the time is to happens so fast. Is that really tricky as an artist to work around that time frame?
0: It depends on what you're using it for. Um people use it for mold making. Like you can cast really realistic looking like limbs, um, for props for Halloween or things like that. But um the part that flows out, you can just get rid of it. So you just mix the right amount for the volume of the mold. And the part that's in the mold will be perfect. It'll yep. just look and The stuff accurate. that goes out,
1: the flash is just fine to get rid of.
0: Yeah, and um, if you measure right, you probably won't have a lot of excess. But if you're making pours of it, like I was, um, and there are some artists that do that also, it. I wanted it to look kind of like an out-of-control, just gloopy Pour so that was perfect. perfect. Yeah. And you can color it. Um it was really easy to work with.
2: How do you go about coloring
1: it?
0: Uh they make dyes that you can mix into it and specific to that Mm -hmm. material. Okay. Yeah.
1: So I'm curious, like I know that you can like spray this on where it expands into the cavity, which is great. Like if you're trying to make an insulation in your wall, that makes sense. Because you can just spray it in, it fills up. But you can also buy this like in a pre-expanded state. When you buy those big pink uh Blocks, right, or mm-hmm. you know, tablets of that pink foam. It's pretty dense. It doesn't feel as crumbly and weak as, as styrofoam. It's it's stronger than that. That polyurethane foam. Have you worked with that at all, Kara?
0: Yeah, I use that more than most other materials because it's smooth. It's a little more durable, styrofoam. right, than styrofoam. Yeah, it doesn't have all those little balls that pop off when you break it or you carve it. And a lot of people use it for props. Um, I've used it. I've actually made paintings from it because i wanted to carve into the paintings oh so and yeah go ahead
1: no no no, that's cool Uh, oh bonk no i was just gonna say so you get like a much more three-dimensional surface so there's just greater texture because of that
0: yeah so sometimes i well often i want to have parts that are embedded into the painting or come off of it um i think the first time i used it was when i was trying to make a painting that looked like guts like the painting had guts (laughs) pouring out of a painting and um i dissolved it with acetone which use a respirator (laughs) for sure and it just like it bubbles and makes this really interesting gnarly um shape and it carves really well so it's you can sand it perfectly smooth you can carve it just with a sharp blade or uh, like a paddle saw
1: do you typically do that, like, exacto knife? I would have imagined, like, a Dremel or something, but are you actually, mm-hmm. like, hands-on usually with this?
0: Yeah. Um, so you can stack it. You can um, adhere layers of it if you want a form that's more sculptural, and then you can carve it with a Dremel, with knives, with – or, um, like, you did with um, your – With a hot wire With a well. helmet. Yeah, yeah, with a hot wire. But I learned <laughs> – after i'd already done a lot with it that it's really toxic so yeah um i would
1: describe the myrrh to this polymer but it's complicated so we'll just show a picture <laughs> of it it's got cyanate groups which is probably the toxicity issue right along the main part of the poly so polyurea right the urea molecule is two nh groups on the side of a c double bonded to an o so that can form cyanide i'm guessing i'm guessing that's some of the mm. toxicity issues i don't know that i'm Going to Look be th- the
2: same with the ballistic gel. You will see a photo
1: of it because they are insane. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, yeah, uh, ballistic gel, like regular gelatin, is mm. a horrific <laughs> monomer. It's huge. <laughs> okay, um, another material that is in the quiver of most cosplayers is our old friend PlastiDip. Plasti dip <laughs> is cool. If you've ever bought like a hammer where like the hammer handle is like that kind of soft, comfortable rubber. If any
2: of you like cars, you hate plasti dip. It's the rules. You can't be a car fan and like people who plasti dip their cars. I was
1: <laughs> just reading about this. There's this whole community that paint their car in this rubber. And they should never do it's it. It's super cheap apparently. And, and you can just like idea. peel it off and start it over again if you want. Um So they've actually, that was their claim to fame was doing it for vehicles. A lot Mm -hmm. of
2: people do it to protect against rust because if you really treat it right, you can get maybe three years out of it but if you see all the people with like that black or rubbery stuff on their car that's plasti dip that's plastic dip and you should shun them when <laughs> they go to their car
1: <laughs> so it started out with it's another version of pvc so again another pvc with lots and lots of plasticizer in it and they used to dip it in right it was literally uh, a solvent that you could dip this into and out it was would like come. a hydro dip right yeah and then this guy back in 1972 realized like hey what if i just added some solvent into an aerosolized you know can so you could spray it on and the Plasti dip that we now mostly use, the spray-on kind, w- was sort of born. And, uh, you know, it has its applications. I use it as a coating to my styrofoam and my EVA foam before I paint it. Um, mm. Some of the paints will like dissolve. as a primer, kind of? As a primer, exactly. And it smooths it out. If you have edges well, or seams, it does a great job of smoothing so that out because it's a rubber.
2: That is the only acceptable use of Plasti dip on vehicles is you can use mm-hmm. it in dents and stuff
1: technically. Mm. Oh, cleaning, buffing those out, cleaning yeah. them out? Yeah, don't, but you can <laughs>
0: So when you use it, is it sprayed on, or do you actually dip it?
1: If I could dip it, I would, but I, I don't have the stuff for it. I don't have a big bath for it, so I'm using the spray-on stuff, and it works great. And it doesn't um,
0: melt your foam?
1: Um, I don't know about Styrofoam. Oh, I'm trying to remember okay. if I've done it on that or not. I know it works for EVA. Styrofoam is really dangerous to spray almost anything, too. Yeah. You, what when I have used, uh, for example, on, on this piece here, <laughs> Uh, when I painted this, I Mod Podged it first. So oh, Mod okay. podge I don't know what it is. I'm sure it's some sort of ethylene vinyl acetate, some sort of glue, essentially.
2: Uh, because of the aerosol spray, it will lead to some breakdown of the st- mm. uh, styrofoam. Same yep. with doing yep. it with paint. And
1: you can see it. Mm. Like any of these people, if you watch the cosplay videos, they'll say, like, spray it on a little section first and watch what happens. And it's so tragic to see somebody that doesn't do this and spray sure. paints it. And it just, like... It looks like it has just, like, oh, it's horrible. It just bubbles all over, and just it's sad.
0: It's art. It's art.
1: It becomes <laughs> art. Um, okay, our next material is Warbler. I, I must admit, I've never used Warbler, but it's, like, one of the, the classics that people use in cosplay. Um, it's a lot like EVA foam. There are some versions of it that are a lot like EVA foam. There's some that are harder and a little more uh, tough than that. Um, they come in different varieties. They'll sell Warbler as a the company. They'll sell Finest Art, Flame Red Alert, Transp, Transp- Art, and Black, right? Um, but I think if you've used something like EVA, a lot of these are very similar to it. Something that's interesting, they actually mix a thermoplastic resin. I don't know what that resin is. I don't know if it's an EVA or what, but they mix it with wood flour filler. So it's sort of like paper mache where they have like this sawdust essentially mixed with the polymer and that's what they end up with. Um, have you ever used this by chance?
0: No, I have friends who, um, have used it in cosplay and I've gone to their workshops and they've showed me and it's just incredible. You can make really detailed sculpted like armor or masks or anything you want out of it
1: yeah it's pretty cool i'll see people take uh, the eva foam armor and then plate it with this like they'll they'll bond the two together and it makes a a a more durable finish than just the eva alone it looks not it doesn't look like foam anymore it looks like something rigid Um, it looks sort of like a like stormtrooper armor at that point anyways um, another material that in the cosplay world is important is flex bond so flex bond is a great primer for sealing parts uh, prior for painting uh, here's what th- this is made by warbler and this is from their their hype site where they're talking about why it's so great they claim that it has a high surface tension so breast strokes even out more giving it a nice smooth surface so you can imagine something like um, honey has a high surface tension it tends to smooth out this is like that so it, it tends to go on pretty smooth maybe you don't want that if you want to preserve you know texture and details this isn't what you want to use but a lot of times you, you do want to preserve that, and this makes it easy. It's a glue. It's water-soluble, so if it drips or runs, you can actually just, like, wipe it off with a wet towel. It'll dissolve it, and you can get rid of it. Um, it dries clear and fast, faster than other primers. It's non-toxic, so you don't have to worry about fumes. It says there's no fume issues on that. Um, and then the key thing, like their name suggests, is that it remains flexible, right? Flexible, on, it stays flexible. Um, and I've actually seen this on some YouTube tutorials. They, like, took a balloon, and they coated it in this stuff, and then once they removed the balloon from the inside, they crumpled it in like the shape of the balloon. It's now all totally crumpled, and it didn't break. It wasn't brittle at all. You could flexibly pop it in and out, which was pretty slick. Have you ever used this stuff, Kara? Mm-mm. Um, another sealant and glue is quick seal, which people will use. Uh, you basically put it on like caulk. What's great is that it's, it's durable, it's mildew-resistant, watertight. When you first put it on, you can sort of smear it out to shape. So I actually use that on my EVA costume when I had these big joints and there was a gap between them. I put quick seal along those and I could smooth it out. And then by the time I covered that with Mod Podge afterwards, it was actually, it's hard to see the joints. They look a lot better at that point. And then uh, we've got Sintra. Have you ever used Sintra before? No. So This is PVC foam board. So it's not like PVC pipe where that would be really heavy. This is foam. So it's like EVA in that it's closed cell foam. But instead of being out of ethylene vinyl acetate, it's out of PVC. So what are the trade-offs? This versus EF, uh, and it's not just PVC. They actually mix it with um, polyurea as well. So it's a copolymer of, what's a composite of PVC and polyurea.
2: Could you take something like a PVC pipe and create the foam out of it, given that you had the chemical to mix into it?
1: So, again, anytime they make that closed-cell foam, you have to, like, pressurize gas into it. So you mm-hmm. have to melt it and pressurize it, and I don't think that your average person can do that, but I, <laughs> it is the same precursor material. It's PVC. Okay, got you. They just It probably has some additional plasticizer to it. But I think the key thing is that they do turn it into a foam. They mix it with the polyurea, and this is basically a lightweight, rigid material. They make signs and stuff out of it. Uh, something it says here, it says, like PVC, closed-cell PVC foam board is solid. It has a very rigid structure, but where it's different is that it has a cell foam structure, which makes it super light and allows you to have, uh, you, you can cut through it pretty easily. You don't have to have like a, a big fancy, you know, jigsaw or something or whatever to cut through it. You can cut through it as if it were EVA at that point. Um, another pretty popular material, I've seen people when they make Mandalorian and stuff armor out of it, where you don't want it to look too squishy and soft like EVA, they'll use this Sintra material instead. Okay, then the last material that I wanted to talk about is PMMA polymethyl methacrylate, which I already showed you. EVA, I'll show you another piece here for those that are watching.
2: You're gonna see some more of Spark's beautiful wiring work, too. <laughs> this one is good, you can't even see it on this one. He's putting the headphones on.
1: So, no close ups on this one, or you'll see just the ugliest soldering you've ever seen because I used enameled wire. And then I didn't know how to connect to enameled wire. And so I just melted it in a giant glob of from solder. From here, it
2: looks incredible.
1: But you can do cool stuff with PMMA. So what is PMMA? It's polymethyl methacrylate. So it's a backbone of carbon. It's got two hydrogens on the first one. And then it's got a methyl in one group and an acrylate group on the other. What's great about this is they c- this is it's very, very transparent. It's a shatter resistant alternative to glass in a lot of instances. Um So it can be scratched easily, which is a bummer. But you can remove scratches with heat treatment. I actually scratched a piece earlier. My kids were helping me work on it, and they scratched it. And you can just hit it with a heat gun, and they basically just disappear. It just remelts for the most part.
2: Look at him calling out his kids instead of admitting that he scratched it. Oh, they totally
1: did it. Um, what's cool about it is half the density of glass which is nice so it's very lightweight this thing weighs nothing it's a little bit flimsy more so than glass would be but to have something that is way less likely to shatter it was worth it to me to make this plus it would be very hard to cut this shape into glass how hard
2: is it to cut those shapes though currently the Uh, complexity of some of the centerpieces
1: okay so uh, actually it's not super straightforward to cut I cut it with a jigsaw and it broke in like four or five places and then I had to put like little (laughs) I made little like bolt pieces to connect it just Mm. when i was doing a practice run to make this piece which is not broken anywhere (laughs) i had to use a bandsaw and a really like a thin blade one and cut it really slowly and carefully with a jigsaw if it starts to vibrate back and forth it does it because it's cutting it so fast that the blade is melting the polymer and then the Mm. polymer sticking to the blade so it 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 basically gets chatter and that's what caused it to break there's no chance
2: of using anything like um,
1: seemed like the wire or something hot to cut through it. I haven't tried hot wire with acrylic. I don't think I have anyways, but I have used like my soldering iron to in little spots. For example, you'll notice that this is embedded with LEDs. So I actually took my soldering iron and just like poked it in the side and oh. just like very easily you can bore a little hole with that. So I think you could use a hot wire, but I haven't tried that to cut mm-hmm. these but what's awesome about this, uh, first off, it's just so easy to work with. You can make big components with it, lightweight. looks very the solid, too. Thing ever. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like, my kid can, like, play with this, and it's pretty good. This was the quarter-inch thick one, but you can get it in lots of sizes. You can get it colored. Or this one I colored myself. I bought uh, a, a color that went on it. And th- what's really slick is that the LEDs inside of it illuminate the edges, which makes for just a super cool effect. So if you're going for that Guardian Sword++, Plus, it's yeah. pretty easy to Everyone do. Everyone
2: who's uh, followed the Instagram probably has seen a lot of these Great updates! Hey, we're like a week
1: away, two weeks away from go time. Yeah, Very he, exciting.
2: He was doing really well in the beginning, and then once that trip to Mongolia came,
1: <laughs> got he, he fell behind done over the summer. <laughs> Anyways, have you ever worked with PMMA or acrylic glass ever? Uh?
0: Um, yeah, I so I've used I've used sheets of it um, to create kind of like windows in my art, and I don't know, I'm not sure what there are. I think there are different types of uh, plastic that um, you can mold with heat, but I've definitely used a lot of that. Like I was talking about the ballistic gel pieces that had to be hollow. Uh huh. Um, they were a thermoplastic that we we uh, like formed in a big oven. I don't know if that's related at all. Um, so
1: you can thermoform this for sure. Like. On the the body of the guardian that I'm making mm-hmm. I had some pieces that were I wanted them to contour to like the roundness and I just like hit it with the heat gun and wrapped it around a uh, 10 number ten can and it worked fine mm-hmm. so I don't know it might have been that for that reason yeah
0: and I um like I know somebody who graduated when I did um, in her MFA show she had these massive uh, like heat molded acrylic I think they were acrylic they were that thick um so yeah maybe. Maybe it's not the same material, but kind of used similarly. Something
2: that Sparks missed, by the way, too, is it has a really interesting application during World War II in that they used it on the windshields, the periscopes, those ball
1: turrets on the bombers. Yeah, like if the glass shattered on those, uh, if if they used regular glass, they'd wreck pilots' eyes and faces. But this, it's much more shatter-resistant. When it did break, it would break into chunks, not tiny shards that's actually where it got to start.
2: Mm. i wonder yeah do you know like was there a reason that it was created like did this happen with glass so and they needed it like all
1: the polymers that we use like all of our polymers got started in like the er the first half of the 19th century right so PVC,
2: polystyrene they're all invented there yeah, but was there issues with glass that led to this do you know or is it i, I don't
1: know that backstory it's a good mm. question
2: maybe that'll be an instagram post
1: yeah Okay. Anything else, Kara? We're so glad that you joined us today. Is there any materials that you think that
2: we missed that maybe mm. worth talking about?
0: Well, I was thinking I have used Plastidip <laughs> before. Uh, my one experience was um, dehydrating Jello cubes, and they they turn into this like brittle kind of a shell, and I plastidipped like Jello skeletons in it. So like- I. I'm a fan I
2: actual skeletons.
0: Well, oh. like they're like if a jello could have a skeleton. Oh, okay. So would you, <laughs> would you
1: would you to dip it before you dehydrated it so it would keep no. the original shape or So
0: if jello like a you know like imagine like like a depression era jello mold like elaborate okay. Oh, the fun ones, yeah. Yeah, the fun jello. So if you let that dry out, it hardens into the plastic basically it's it'll melt if you get water on it but it's just like a brittle plastic and i tried plastic dipping that how do you it go worked. about
2: dehydrating them just stick um, it in a food dehydrator or?
0: i wish i had a food dehydrator that would have been <laughs> more simple <laughs> no i think it would melt because the jello will oh, melt with yeah, heat yeah, yeah. so i put big box fans around it and then um it would dry the outside, and the middle dissolves, and you just kind of have to gut it, <laughs> like get rid of the gooey insides, and then and
2: then plastic turn it, it and put box fans. But how on hard it. was it to rehydrate it once that was done? Could you? Um,
0: it- I think you can. I think you can. You could probably powder it, and it's. I don't know. I don't think it's. This is.
2: This may have to be uh, something we have to try <laughs> something out. Something about the protein yeah, bonds. Sure. I right.
0: don't. I don't know. This Maybe this may could. be a
2: video you'll see coming to you. <laughs> can yeah. we rehydrate Jello? It'll probably
1: fail, but we'll It'll try make for good video. Not after
0: that. you plasti Dip it, probably.
1: <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we are going to wrap this episode up. But before we end, a big thanks to our sponsors. We have two sponsors that are recurring for every episode, and that is MatMatch. If you haven't used MatMatch before, I think you should check it out. MatMatch.com is a place where you can go. And essentially what it is is you can look for materials that have uh, a target property, right? If you want to find something that has a specific thermal conductivity or density or whatever, a certain form factor, you can plug that in, and it will tell you all the materials that meet that description. Then even better, it'll tell you who can sell it to you. So I, I can't tell you how frustrated I've been when I look in an appendix for something, and I find, oh, this is the perfect material. And then we've tried to buy it before, and it's like, who sells this stuff? We bought a specialty steel once, and I had no idea who could actually sell it to me. Matmatch had, had I known about that, it would have made my life a lot easier.
2: And also, if you are a... Uh supplier of materials get in contact with them you can list your material there
1: yeah it's free to use to actually look materials up or if you're a supplier you know you could actually pay to have your material listed on the website and and engineers will find it a lot easier we also want to say a big thanks to materials today materials today is a publication by Elsevier.com, and they sponsor our show uh we think you should check them out because they're a great journal but check out that they also they have other books conferences and related programs we think you might be interested in
2: Anyways, that wraps up the episode for us. So, as always, send us an email at at gmail.com. Subscribe to whatever uh, listening platform you have. Like we said earlier, check us out on YouTube. Uh, Dr. Sparks posts some great lessons if you want to learn some basic stuff again. And then also, we post all the video components
1: of this when we do the Zoom calls. By the way, on Instagram, we're about to hit a milestone. I think at our 1,000th follower, we're going to do a pretty rad giveaway. So, if you haven't followed yet, jump on there. We're just about to cross that milestone. And we'll probably do a cool giveaway to our 1,000th follower. And, of course, a big thanks to Alphabot for
2: supplying the music that we use in the um, transitions. And then, of course, thanks to Colobyte, who does our intro and outro music. You can check them both out on Spotify or colobyte.bandcamp.com.
1: Okay, we'll check you next time.
0: The inventors of fire, electricity, magnetism, iron, lead, glass, silk, cotton. The makers of tools. The captors of lightning, the architect, the engineer, the musician are all beneficiaries of the materials of this world and are bound only by their imaginations in manipulating those materials.